This is the D.V.O. Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back again in the clutch. Today is a very special episode. We have the unofficial champions hype man. The one, the only, Zeke410 Champions Gaming. What's going on, big dog? Hey, yo. It's me, the bad guy. <laughs> and quite frankly, it is such an incredible day to be rocking and rolling with the golden sun, the chosen one, vengeful one, and of course, my ace of spades, because you know he's a full house and just so charismatic with the royal flush in the clutch, my boy, but not just any boy, David Boy, and welcome to the DVO podcast, y'all. One of a kind, one chance only, take it all in. Let's rock. Oh my, that was the best. <laughs> that was the I best. think we just got to end it right there. That was going on. <laughs> that was incredible. And that's the show. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh my. Dude. <laughs> okay, we, we we need to make you a host. Oh, facts. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a guest after that. You got to be a host. Oh, my God. It's between him and Rev. Hey man, Rev's one of a kind, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when y'all heard his feelings in that podcast. He That was like the, one of the best pitches I ever heard. Like, man, if you need a home or anything, and then y'all just dropped that bomb on him like, yeah, about that. <laughs> Swerve. Oh, but, oh man, my look, God. For those of you that don't oh. know who Zeke is, Zeke is, I would deem him a fixture in the Champions community. Um, he has a YouTube channel, Zeke410 Champions Gaming. He has his own faction, Crowned Era. You can find him on Twitter. Is it at Zeke Champions Gaming? Yes, yes, yes. Zeke Champions Gaming. Yeah, man. Zeke is the, like I said, the unsigned hype man. I would post something and then I would, my Twitter would be blowing up. And when I look, Zeke is just reposting without any provocation or me asking. He's just that kind of guy who has a lot of positive energy and really wants to see the community expand. So I know for me, I am super excited to have him on the show because in my opinion, he's a one of a kind. He may not be up there with like the Gersons and stuff in terms of like subs and numbers. But you just give it time. His charisma, his personality, and the fact that how much he cares about the community and fellow players, eventually he'll just, you know, reaches his point where he just explodes. I appreciate that. I'm truly humble. That really means a lot. And, um, you know, it's just about teamwork makes the dream work. I tell that to my faction a lot. You know, teamwork truly makes the dream work. If everyone's all, all on the same page, regardless of your rank, regardless of what faction you're in, you know, the community will thrive. The community will succeed. But it's also a thing, you know, you got to be humble sometimes. And, you know, you got to realize, you know, there's more uh, there's more pieces to the puzzle. There's more players in the game. And ultimately, if everyone really loves this game, then we're going to do what's, what is necessary to just make this uh, all around great experience for everybody. Yeah. I feel like if I'm on your podcast. <laughs> Man, it's just, it's legit, it's just a beautiful opportunity. Like, I've listened to every single podcast that y'all have dropped, man. Like, I love it. I love it all. I, I'm still in awe of Kanation with her feuding, man. Like, geez. Like, I don't even care. Like, the for real, 
to know that there is a woman out there that bad that like that bad but i don't want to be bleeped out you know what i mean <laughs> so kick butt what do you do you know i have to salute her so you know i live legit hashtag feud like a nation one day one day by the time i catch you you're probably going to set the bar again but do your thing girl salute like mad respect on that man <laughs> yeah man condition is a monster i like that feud like condition yeah man no and don't forget our hashtag thought props so many dvd gaming inside references i don't even know how that started it was a a, a one night a late night with dvd stream and i just like hashtag thought props <laughs> and it would not die oh my god they come in handy though they do come in handy i'm telling you <laughs> Man, let, let's get into it. Let's get into it. What is your inception to being a wrestling fan? Like, what started you on this journey? All right. I'm going to be honest with y'all, all right? This is going to be an interesting thing, okay? When I started out, when I was a little kid, I always, like, had a, like, a, like infatuation with wrestling because when I was in first grade, a little girl that went to school with me named Lacey Bender, she came to my um my birthday party at Pizza Hut and she gave me a gift. And the gift that she gave me was a miniature Undertaker action figure. The ones where you could like you could like stretch them like you they were they were they were like minimum like posable, you know. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have the bend you know, they were a little stretch. And um I just saw this dude like in the picture of him with his eyes rolled back in his head. And, and I'm like, yo, this dude looks so freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> where's a guy like this around? Like where I don't see no one dressing like this or anything. And one night, legit fate would have it. I'm watching like some old school TV, you know, with the, with, you know, the box set with the antenna and everything. Got to move it around to get a, you know, get some good service <laughs> going. Yeah. And I, I tune in the UPN 24 and no, and no BS. I legit turned on and w like saw the rock and oh. I was so in awe. Like it was the very first episode of SmackDown. Wow. And I was, I was so in awe by this dude, the rock, like, Oh my God, man. Like the undertaker was like the one dude that got me. But when I saw this guy come out with these glasses and just, you know, get on the microphone, like before he even got on the microphone, you know, just to hear the theme music, like you did like everyone's all in the crowd, just sitting, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then all of a sudden you hear, if you smell yeah. what the rock is cooking, bound down and everyone's just going crazy. He's walking out. And the thing that got me about, about him was he was so oblivious, like to everybody, like he knew everyone was there, but he was so into himself, you know, to get up on the rope and, you know, like cock his shoulder back and cock his neck back and like breathe it all in. And it was just like, Oh my God. Like I yeah. want to be like this dude, man. Like to have that kind of confidence, like seeing Rock perform and then seeing Undertaker and seeing Stone Cold, it was just like, oh my God, like I had an action figure of you and now I'm watching you. Yeah, like I'm yeah. watch I had a figure of Taker and now I'm getting to watch Taker. And I'm like, this dude is such a freaking monster. Like, I am glad I got his action figure, like right now. <laughs> and now I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt some people's feelings though. I didn't really know about WCW. 
I legit found out about WCW later on in the like later on the like legit the first time I heard like legit and watched the WCW episode was the very last episode. No of way. WCW. No way. Oh, you missed everything. I'm serious. <laughs> but, but but I know. But this is what got me though. Like I knew who Goldberg was. Okay. I, I knew who Sting was because I knew their images. Like, I knew who they oh, were. I right. watched the show. Right. So, for instance, I saw Macho Man, and I thought Macho Man had been with WCW the entire time. I, ha- I was not aware that Macho Man had gotten his debut in the WWF. Right. So, right. seeing the commercials of, like, snapping to a Slim Jim and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That- that got me. I'm like, yo, who is this dude? Who is this dude? I'm sitting, here, I'm sitting here watching SmackDown, and I'm like, where's Goldberg? Uh, oh, where's wow. Oh, right, right. Oh, that it makes sense. Me up. So I'm like, then I realized, like, one of my neighbors, her cousins used to come over, and they had Nintendo 64. So they had the WCW games, and the one time they had the guidebook. And so when they had the guidebook, I saw Scott Hall. I saw Scott Steiner. I saw Kevin Nash. I'm like, holy crap, like Ric Flair. Like, I know who these people are now. And then I realized, okay, so WCW is over here. Right. And WWF is over here. And they got different people. And I guess they weren't getting along. And then obviously you get older and then you understand the Monday Night Wars and the NWO and and DX. And I'm like, oh, snap, like. WCW actually had it going on back in the day, man. Did, like, yeah. I didn't realize, I always, like, legit, if you get into wrestling, most of the times you're thinking, like, some of the times when you ask anybody about wrestling, they're going to be like, oh, Hulk Hogan. So immediately you think Hulk Hogan, you're thinking WWE. But then I find, then I find out, like, man, you had Harley Race, man. You had Ricky Steamboat. You yeah. had Dusty Rhodes. And I'm like, these dudes weren't in the WWF. And then that made me even more pissed off when I found out what Vince did to some of those people when they got to the WWF. So I'm like, man, wrestling, I don't know how to feel about this. Y'all got me feeling some type of way right now. <laughs> <laughs> so see, can I ask you uh, about what's your age range here? Because uh, I think you might be a little um, – it seems like we, we are, most of our guests are kind of in the same uh, mid-30s as uh, Davey and I. I am actually 27. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So that makes a little more sense. Cause I think a lot of us, you know, we're talking about, you know, eighties, barely remember eighties, you know, yep. but mostly like early nineties, new gen Monday night wars, obviously that whole thing. So that makes a lot of sense. So you're, All right, you're I got uh, into the attitude era. You got into the attitude era. So if, if your real introduction into wrestling was the rock, then it totally explains why you are the way you are, the way uh-huh. you cut your promos. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like our introduction was like Hogan, Warrior, you know, then later Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Monday Night Wars, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I never thought about what it would be like if your introduction to wrestling was the Attitude Era and The Rock in his prime. That would have been amazing. I'll tell you what, man. The beauty about the Attitude Era, it's kind of like, you know, the not like just like how with 90s babies, you know, like it was like this whole like radical situation. What I loved about the Attitude Era was is that you got to see, like, the two sides of the coin, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And 
it was very unique. Like, yes, some of the storylines were off the wall. Like Mark Henry and May Young and like having a having a hand for a baby was ludicrous. It was like even I as a kid could look at that and like, okay, that's you just lost me on that one. But we're we gonna <laughs> we gonna roll with it. roll with it. We gonna roll with it. But it was still like you know, like when Stone Cold got taken out, man. Like when he got hit by the car. I remember I'm that. Like, I'm like, he's the number one dude. Who's going to take out Stone Cold, man? Like, dang, I knew he said some bad things, but I didn't know they <laughs> they hated him that bad, man. Like, it, it really had me stuck. And then, like, thinking about, like, you know, wrestling, in a sense, kind of got me prepared for a lot of stuff that came later on. Like, um, you know, like the storylines, like with the clicks, you know, with DX mm. and, you know, and, and then you get the high school and it's the same thing. You know, you got the jocks over here. You got the gosh, you know, the, the theater kids. So it was interesting to see like, yeah, some people are like, oh, wrestling's fake, whatnot. But then you see like the kind of influence that you see of certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it literally like messed me up. It literally messed me up because I'm like, oh, wow. Like this kind of thing is actually going on in like the real life world. Like we got clicks of people who hang out with each other, who got beef with others. We have, um, you know, relationships that seem good. And then next thing you know, there's like a dark twisted secret or something that down the line. <laughs> like nobody, nobody's perfect. So it was like wrestling to me came at a time like, yeah, you could tell like not everyone's going to be like walking into a classroom and like, you know, theme music's going to hit or nothing. But it also lets you know like, hey, there's going to be conflicts. There's going to be groups of people that you hang out with. And because you hang out with them, no one, someone else isn't going to rock with you. Right. So right, it's right. kind of like, I, I understood that. It was also the thing of like, you know, some people will do things the right way, you know, about a championship. Like, you know, they'll fight their way for it. They'll earn it. You know, they'll do it. And then there's other people who will do anything, anything to hold on to a title or, you know, to hold on to like not a title in the sense of a belt, but to hold on to a title in the sense of real words, like to prove that they're the MVP, they might sabotage you in some type of way to make you look bad. Or, you know, people might act like they're your friends and then they turn around and they backstab you. Like these were things that I saw in wrestling that made me connect to real life and be like, okay, yeah, we don't got the pyro and stuff, but these kind of scenarios can happen in real life. Wrestling, wrestling basically gave you like that hard knock life thing. Like, you know, I, there were parts of the storyline that like, you know, things don't make sense. But then there are other parts where it was like, you know what, if you level it out a little bit, I can see like the real life premise from this. Yeah. I can understand. I can understand that angle and that type of view. Is that and art with, imitating like, life. Exactly. And with Attitude Era, it was more of a, like it was very raw because you had the, you had Stone Cold speaking his mind about what he didn't like. You had The Rock also speaking like his point of view of like why he deserved to have something. And, you know, during the 90s, that's like or any era. I feel like every era, even though it's different and has those situations that make them one of a kind, we're all going through the same cycle. You know, the, the, the faces change. But the situations are still the same. That's why we got the term mm. history repeats. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that's like how I feel. Like we go through the same situations that our ancestors or whatever go through. And it comes to a point like I like where Stone Cold got to the point where, you know what? I'm tired of working for a boss that doesn't treat me the way I rightfully deserve. I don't appreciate that. And it was like during that, before that, it was always this thing of to being taught, you know, you get a job, you hold it down, you keep your head down, you do what you got to do, you make a living. But then to have that angle of being like, hey, man, you got the right to say if you don't like how you're being treated. Mm. You got the right. I don't like I don't like how you're using me in this way 
or you know i don't like how you're treating my friend like that and you think that it's going to be cool like i'm going to allow that to slide it was like one of those times where you could finally have a voice like before then you always had like the heel you knew who the heel was and you knew who the face was but when rock and stone cold came that was like the birth of the anti-hero and yeah. to go even further i'd say sting as well Sting was also Sting, Stone Cold, and Rock represented like the true anti-hero. I would agree. It was like it was like it was like Sting, like you know, I feel so bad for Sting because like Sting could have been done in so many ways and you could have been fine. I am pissed to this day that when he returned, him and him and Undertaker did not fight each other. Because the note that Undertaker was in WCW and they never touched. That kind of hurt my feelings really bad. And to know that they had a chance to make that happen again, it, 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 it hurt my feelings. It hurt my feelings. But Sting was one of those dudes, like, think about it. Like, you're the guy who's been at the job since day one, since the business opened, in a sense. You've gone up against the best of the best. And then this new shift comes, this NWO, like, you know, it's hip, it's in, it's all this. And it's like, you're forgotten. Mm. You know, like, yeah, yeah, how yeah. many people, like, you know how, like, in jobs, you know, use originally, from what I understood, again, like, I'm 27 talking like I'm an old man. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you work so hard to reach retirement, right? And you've done everything. You done groomed the next guy. You done done all this and that. And at the same time, like, days before you get him retired, they let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that happen. You did. You gave everything to that company. You did everything, and they screw you like that. It's the same concept with Sting. Like, I can understand that. Like, I've been here. I've beaten Vader. I overcame the giant when no one could beat the giant known as Vader. I beat the ultimate the, the ultimate hustler and, and Ric Flair, the nature boy. It's like, and, and here I am that y- y'all don't even appreciate me. And it's like so many people feel like that, but they won't speak it. But through Sting, you could, could relate to that. Through, through Austin, you could relate to that situation of like, I'm tired of being mistreated. Or the same way with Rock. It was the same concept. It was like, I, I, oh man, I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I know this is the only one question and I'm, I'm, I'm getting deep. <laughs> no, but I, I've just, never thought of, of, just, of Sting and Austin being like kind of the opposite side of the same coin. It's kind of interesting when you break it down like that. It's like you got one who didn't say nothing, but he finally did something. And then you had the other one who spoke it and then he made it a reality. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The approach was different. Like Sting just kept taking it and kept taking it. And then finally he had enough. He snapped. Where Austin was letting them know, like, look, you keep doing this, I'm gonna stump a mud hole in you. And that's what and that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, your reaction is gonna give is gonna gonna come out to giving you this type of equal reaction, and I'm not gonna give me a give a damn, throw me a beer, and like give me a hell yeah. But it was like the concept was it's like even the voiceless can have a voice. Mm-hmm. And those who use their voice properly can have the ultimate weapon. And that's like like Stone Cold moved millions of people because he outsold Hogan in the sense because people could relate to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Hogan would Hogan to me is always gonna be on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Right. Regardless of what you think of him, regardless of how you feel, 
what he did for the business was immaculate. However, I feel that Hogan was one of those dudes that also held people back because of the concept that he had. Because with Hogan, he always had to be the hero, mm -hmm. meaning everybody had to be the villain. Meaning there was no chance for someone to move forward. It was like, you. I think about this. How hard was it for Vince to convince Hogan to drop it to, to Warrior? I can't mm. imagine. Right. I have no you idea see, like, what that must have been like. like. One thing y'all need to really look at, if you haven't seen it yet, watch the Andre the Giant documentary. Uh, yeah. That was the yeah. that was incredible. I have seen Hogan so shook and so scared of somebody that R.I.P. to the Giant, man. I wish that he had stayed longer because maybe things would have shifted a little differently. Because knowing what kind of pull Andre had, Andre literally had Hogan sweating all the way up to WrestleMania before the body slam. Yeah. He literally had Hogan, like Hulkamania, even though it started, he could have like instantly halted it. But he chose like at that, right in that match, you know, he told Hogan, you know, you know, body slam. Body slamming, yeah. You know, and history was changed. Yep. I'd look back at how many times Bret Hart could have been champion when Hogan was there. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. I, I mean, there's I, a, I look, I look stuff like that. Like, or, or, it even just, uh, or even just the WrestleMania 9 with Bret Hart and, and Yokozuna and then, you know, that Hogan was coming crap. in there. I mean, like, that was crap. Because quite frankly, no lie, the moment that really messed me up was with the whole situation. Bret Hart was literally like the white knight. He was the Harvey Dent of wrestling in, in, in some ways. You know what I mean? He had his demons like everybody else. But Brett was one of the most pure wrestlers out. If not, still hands down one of the most purest performers out there. And he didn't get his shot. And when, like, when you're watching the tapes, when you're watching the DVDs and stuff, you're, you're, you're caught up in the moment. But as you mature, like a lot of us have now, we understand the ins and outs or at least bits and pieces. And how to realize how much of like Brett's success was hindered by Hogan alone, it really turned my, my mind on, on Hogan a little bit. I'm like, wow, like, mm. no lie. You cannot look at yourself and be that delusional that everyone's going to be won over with a leg drop you know, you hawking out every time. And then you got a guy like Brett who's fighting giants like Diesel, figuring out a way to break down a dude bigger than him, going up against Yokozuna. Brett was so precise and so genius with how he maneuvered in the ring. It was like, Hogan, you should have been letting him have the belt. You should have let that era, you should have, like, when you knew the stuff was dying down, you knew that you were, like, the steroid scandals and everything, pass the belt to Brett, let Brett and HBK go back and forth, and that's, and whatever happens after that, call it a day. But knowing that Hogan literally played a lot in that whole Yokozuna, Brett Hart thing really left me very, like, left a sour taste in my mouth when it comes yeah. to, like, um, to Hogan. But it's, but like, it again, like... But it does, it does, you know, like later in life when you go back and look at it, you know, as a kid, I was like, I don't know what's happening. Oh, Hogan's back. Yay. I was right. a Bret Hart fan still, but I was a Hogan fan. You know, I didn't understand. But, you know, later of in course. life, you look back and you're like, you know, what can I, what can I learn from that? You know, how does this apply to my workplace? And like you said, with, I think one thing with The Rock, even though he was like this larger than life character like Hogan was, for some reason, you kind of... I don't know, at least maybe as a child, I felt like Hogan was just, he was like a superhero. Nobody's 
coming anywhere close to him. But the Rocket was kind of like, you know what? I could be like him. At least he wanted to be. You know, he was relatable. He yeah, was relatable in a weird way because it's not like there was too much about him that was like vulnerable and relatable. But at the same time, he, like he didn't feel like he was he was uh, somebody that you you couldn't be anywhere near. You know, that like, right. man, if I had that kind of charisma, like, what do I have to do to have that kind of charisma and that kind of confidence, like you said? But why don't we and switch things, like, uh, gears a little bit? Um, what's, uh, what, what's kind of your history with, like, wrestling games you know, prior to Champions? Um, oh, man, dude. I used to have a PlayStation 2. So when I got it, I literally went and bought, like, bought, like, I got into the SmackDown versus Raw first. I got okay. into the series of SmackDown versus Raw. I say I started like of like really playing it like I guess like SmackDown versus Raw 2006 or 2007. Mm-hmm. But that was always my thing because I literally liked I literally liked unlocking characters. Like ever since I was a little kid like I always liked that like Final Fantasy or Pokemon, Digimon like that's like what I grew up on. So like, you know, getting a game where it's telling you like, hey, you know, you got to like Beat this, beat this match on this difficulty to unlock, you know, Cactus Jack or to unlock Andre the Giant. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go and do that, man, because I just want to see what the entrance was like. It's like there's certain situations where I was like before then, before I started collecting like wrestling DVDs and everything, it was like the only way I really knew like uh, the entrance or knew how someone really ran was through like unlocking them in the video game. That's true. So yeah. it was. So literally, like SmackDown versus Raw, I say I went with that all the way up to like 2012, like consistently, like buying from year to year. I did that, but I have to say, my favorite wrestling game, though, my all-time favorite, had to be SmackDown. Here comes the pain with Brock Lesnar. Oh my god, man! Because the entrance, like this, was the what was cool about this was this was the only game out at the time back then obviously we're in 2018 where you had Brock Lesnar you had The Rock you had Stone Cold you had Hollywood Hulk Hogan American Badass Undertaker like you had everybody on here like it was like legit like it was the literally the la- like the last one like before like Rock left Stone Cold left Goldberg and um um Lesnar had their final match so you literally like had everybody in here you could even mm. do a story mode at X-Pac if you wanted to so mm. it was like one of those games where it was like wow like getting to play a whole entire season you like legit Playing an yeah. entire series, like game, like story mode as Goldberg, just spearing the crap out of everybody, <laughs> like spear after spear, jackknife after jackknife. I'm like, no wonder he won every doggone match, man. Like, no one ain't getting up from that. And then it was like, look at like, like the, the one thing that I do say about Rock that does make him relatable in a sense that a lot of one thing about wrestlers that they always do is they always try their best to like come off like the most top like top dog guy. The one thing that made me relate The Rock just because it happened to me, and I'm not ashamed to say it, is that, you know, when I was younger, I used to uh, get, get picked on and beat up. You know, you have some uh, fights and stuff when you're young growing up. If you haven't, you're, you're very lucky, and violence isn't the answer unless you feel it. you have to. But the point is, is that Rock was one of those few wrestlers that got on the mic, and he would tell you, yeah, Stone Cold whipped my ass last night. But I'm yeah. still the most electrifying man. I'm still the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. He, like taught that you could, he taught me you could take an L and still be on top of the world. Wow. Right. Yeah. Right. 
that's, that's true. Like, that's I mean, it's like, like it's very easy. Like with the the Hogan thing, it was uh, you know you, you just basically assumed to be on top of the world, you'd never lost. You know, right? Um, so which is why when Warrior beat him, it was like as a child, I was like, that's first of all, that was my guy. You know, um, <laughs> you know, you, like by default, you're indoctrinated Hogan. But I, you know, I'm, I was three years older when WrestleMania three happened, so it just kind of that was default. But then. You know, when Warrior came up, you were watching him on TV, and I remember telling my dad, he's going to be the next big guy. Uh, I really like him. And my dad's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, right. or whatever. Um, and, uh, but then when he, when he won at WrestleMania, it was like, okay, now he's the unstoppable guy. But right. that's not life. Nobody's the unstoppable guy. I mean, that said, I mean, like, uh, relating to another sport, Michael Jordan, I wasn't watching basketball when he was getting his butt whooped by the Detroit Pistons, right? Oh, but I my started God. watching, but I started <laughs> watching when the Bulls started winning championships and I was a big fan. And again, same. it was like same thing. The guy doesn't lose. And I got this idea that, you know, to be on top, he'd never take an L. But, um, you know, later on in life, you realize that's just not reality. That just doesn't happen. Those are the rare exceptions. Um, but right. you can still be a winner and still be an icon in whatever world you uh, are, are applying yourself to by just committing yourself to it, period. You know? That's very true. That's very true. And, what, and like, I, one thing I noticed since you um, actually mentioned that, I actually feel like Hogan losing to Warrior was just as controversial as Undertaker losing to Lesnar. If you really think about the shock of like everybody when that happened, mm. but I mean, like it was that oh, they he can't lose. It's Hogan. He's gonna get back up. He's not gonna lose to this splash right here. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's over. Yeah, it's yeah. over. Like Hogan's done. What? What? Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah, but like, like, see, look at sitting back and stuff like that, man. Like, the 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 whole dynamic of thinking like you're Superman, and you finally see Superman lose. You know, like it threw you off when Superman died. No one could believe it. It was like, how did Doomsday pull it off? And it's the same thing. Like sometimes you need those moments to move the culture forward, uh. just to put that real. Could you walk us through your faction history? Like, I know you used to lead Airlock Kingdom and now you're crowned era. Like, how did that transition occur? And like, what's the philosophical differences between the two of them? Hmm. Well, to be honest with you, this is how it's, this is how it went down. When I first started playing champions, like, I, I believe I've been playing like close to like the time that the game actually released, but I've had different accounts because my phone broke. So the original faction was called Zodiacs. Mm-hmm. And that basically was a bunch of like a, a bunch of friends. We got together. We were like, we like wrestling, man. Let's do it. Some of them, they fell out of it. I, my phone broke, obviously. So I changed leadership and then they, they just quit. So that died. So then I took some time off and this is going to get to the question. I'm sorry, but um, it literally like I took some time off. I got my phone back and then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just grind by myself. I'm going to be a Baron Corbin. I'm just going to pull the lone wolf for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a faction. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a faction. I'm not going to have any of that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get back on the game. 
I'm going to go ahead and do everything right. Try to learn how to do everything right. Get my overall to a certain point. And then once I'm at that point, then I'll go ahead and try to get recruited by a faction and learn what to do without them having to like baby me in a sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I did that. I got up to, I believe I got up to like 40 K 40 or 50 K by myself. I just literally just kept grinding out the tour. I tried to do verses. I did all that. And then I hooked up with um, a guy named salt city cager. He's the leader of corrupted network right now. And basically cager took me in and taught me, like, showed me the ropes. Like, I, I learned, like, I, I worked my way up to officer. Um, I literally, like, just was putting in work feuding with whatever I had. I was just, whenever I got an opportunity, I feuded. So I understood the, like, the, the importance of feuds. Yeah. I, lear I learned about healing, like, your teammates. And, um, you know, I, I, oh, I, I'm very grateful for Salt City Cager. I literally cannot remember the name of the faction before we turned it to Corrupted Network. But, um... I was with them, uh, with uh, with him and them for a, a long time. Learned a lot, but then it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I started this out with my own faction. I think that it's time that I go back and try to do this over and do this the right way. Mm -hmm. So, corrupted network. I went to uh, went and created a, a legion of kings. So oh. when I made a legion. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the a lock comes from. A legion of Kings and Queens that the cues for the Queens. Got but, it. um, yeah. So a legion of Kings was made and basically this is how messed up this is. I know some players are might, might laugh about this because they, they were smarter about it. I wasn't aware. I was just taking a risk. A legion of Kings was doing pretty good. We were getting up on the leaderboards. We had tried to uh, try to merger. It did not work. It was one of the worst things ever just because of how the people were. And, you know, that's a young leader learning, you know, no one, I didn't have no, I, the fact is aside from like the YouTube videos, I didn't have nobody. Mm. I literally was trying to figure everything out on my own and trying to help my teammates out. And so it was literally a thing of like, I didn't know what was going on, but this is what the, basically what happened. I was in the midst of creating a lock kingdom. Like I was in the midst of creating that. I had left, went over to, uh, went over to the a lock kingdom to create that in the midst of doing that. A member of mine ended up going and um, allowing this player called King into our faction. King 1975 two thirty. 331 the point is king gets into the the guy lets him into the faction he immediately for some weird reason a lot uh, promotes him and king literally wipes out everybody he kicked everybody from the faction he kicked everybody from a legion of king what so this is like yes so this is what this is where that things get interesting see he kicks everyone out of the faction my dude comes to me. He's like, I dropped the ball. Everyone's gone. I'm like, what do you mean everyone's gone? He's like, he can't got into the faction. I put him in. I promoted him. And I wake up and everybody's gone. So I'm over in A-Lock Kingdom. And I'm trying to get everyone to, uh, from Elysian of Kings to come over to A-Lock. 
like the, the spread it out because originally like some factions, I don't know how the order is, but basically a legion of Kings had gotten to the point where it was basically maxed out. So nice. we were basically for like getting over to a hundred members before the tiers were involved. We had literally gotten up to like 99 members. He comes ruins that. I'm, I don't have no contact with anybody. Like the only wow. few people that are in the rolling with me are the people that were already like in the messenger group with me so wow. a lot of them they ended up being like yo what happened why'd you kick me why'd you kick me and i'm like i didn't kick you i'm over here i was getting the other home ready for the for like the top feuders to get us ready to go and do this a lot kingdom thing and then the legion of kings could just chill like the casual players and we just work it like that Instead, that didn't happen at all. Instead, they get the, the like Elysian King gets wiped out. And then a few members who found me, they're like, hey, man, like, can we come over? And I'm like, yeah, like, come on over. Because only like a few of my officers had left out with me over to um, A-Lock Kingdom to basically help uh, get everything prepared. So we literally ended up going from having like on the start of having two factions to basically having one faction that needed to be rebuilt all the way over again. I did not know that was what happened. That is crazy. So if crowned era, did you just start from scratch? No mergers, just your philosophy, promoting the right people. Um, you know, how, how did that come about? Crowned era is it basically was a redemption thing because I dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, see, the one thing that I don't think a lot of people understand, or you can comprehend it from your point of view, but you don't want to comprehend it from somebody else's. Mm, I okay. am running an entire faction, or that's my goal. That's what I want. That's what I need. I feel the need to lead. I feel it is necessary to help these players understand tier lists, understand what to go for when it comes to bags, who to use in verses. I am thinking about things that you may be thinking about, but you're not going to speak it, but I'm going to speak it. And because I speak it, you might disapprove because I don't say it the way that you want it worded, but I'm just going to give you the facts. Right, right. You can't say that you want to be in the top 100 factions and you don't want to put up over a million feud score. So you basically, you know, setting standards that need to be followed. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Like I learned on the job. So as mm. me learning on the job, I'm setting the standard as I go. And a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people did not like that at all. See, I did the two mergers. I did the one with Vegas Raiders and I did the one with Rumble in the Jungle. Now, the one thing that I will salute Rumble in the Jungle for, we didn't meet eye to eye, but they were very good people. The thing that they showed me was, is that we weren't ready for the top hundred. They showed us like, you know, how to get heels down, you know, like letting people know, like, you know, before heels would just sit there. They taught us, you know, that communication really is key. You mm -hmm. know, like when it's up, you know, you get on it. Like, come on, let's let, let's get it. And they also taught me about speed when it comes to feuding. So after the merger, it was like, you know what? Everyone's like, you know what? We don't want to merge no more. Well, I'm like, okay, but everyone here is still talking like they want to be a top 100 faction. Now we know the truth. Like, we do have to get faster. We do have to put up more points. 
And that's like that, like whether you like it or not, like that's that that's a part of what you got to do, like in order to get those kind of results. And a lot of people didn't agree with it because it was such a shift from, yeah. you know, us from being casual to like us getting with competitive uh, factions. And the thing was, a, some it was a thing where certain players were growing into the culture. Yeah. Certain players were getting it like they were understanding, like, OK, we have to feud like this. We got to do it like this in order for us to really get somewhere without our efforts feeling like they were wasted. And others had a problem with that. And so it caused a rift there. And then because of my immaturity as a as a full blown leader, you know, like there's been guys and uh, gals that have been playing this game ever since, you know, ever since freaking like the beginning, since the beta. I wasn't one of those guys or girls. I didn't have that situation. So the thing, the do's and don'ts that they had. I didn't know. So, like, for instance, I established after uh, a Legion of Kings, I was like, okay, everybody use Messenger. Because I was like, okay, we definitely need some type of source of communication. Now, the difference is, is that I have a Messenger, I have a line, and I have a Discord. I mm -hmm. have all three. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for whatever. <laughs> yeah. Other players, other players didn't want that. They felt that Messenger was enough. They did. They felt that there wasn't no need for us to switch over to Discord. I can tell you straight up on here, from my personal usage, Discord blows Messenger and Line out the water. In my hundred percent. I mean, it, I, you can't argue with how built for gaming this platform is. It just is. Without a doubt. You know, without like a, everything about it. it. it it's so convenient. it works. It yeah, works. It, and the thing is, I had teammates that didn't want that. Yeah. So I was like, you see, my see, and like I said, like I was the dude that was learning on the job. So as soon as I learned the how to do something right, I did it. Right. I didn't have a. I I I was so adamant about writing our wrongs that it ended up undoing everything. Hmm. And that's the thing that I'm I'm glad I get to be on here for because I got it. Like it's the truth. Like I wanted us to to score more. I wanted right. us to use line discord. I yeah. wanted us to be the top 100 faction, but everybody felt some type of way. They felt that some people felt like this is ridiculous. Like what is our, we're losing sight of who we are. And it's like, it's not losing sight. It's kind of like, I'm a big fan of evolution. Either you adapt yes. or, you, or you die. And I that's mean, what I, it was. I, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think Vengeful and I could, identify with where you're coming from because there was a point where we were trying to make Tuvman somewhat more competitive. We, we still at heart wanted to be a casual faction, but like you said, there were certain protocols that needed to be put in place if we were going to transition to at least making top 100 on the leaderboard. And there were people that were opposed to it, whether, you know, outright or maybe, you know, kind of passive aggressively. And is at that point that you realize, you know what, maybe I've kind of outgrown my home. And I think that would lead into this next question, which is, which is um, what do you think is the player's responsibility in finding the right faction for them? Because you could start really well with one place. You could have like really great relationships and friendships and a connection to your faction home. But then there comes a point inevitably where growth has to occur and you have to then decide, okay, do I stay here and kind of not be content or do I, you know, find some place that is a better fit for where I want to evolve into? So, you know, what, what kind of signs should 
would you look for in, in a person that, and you may say like, hey, I realize, you know, what we're building might not be for you. I give you the go ahead to go somewhere or maybe a player that's looking for a new place. Like what, what are the tips or, or instructions you would give? What I say to players is this, you need to know what you really want. You need to know who you are. Are you a competitive person? Then if you are a competitive person, then look for a competitive faction. And don't be mad and huff and puff about what requirements are needed. Because if you yeah. want, if you want, you're going to accept the challenge. That's all there is to it. If you're not up for that challenge, you just have to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop blow, blow, blowing smoke under your hat under your hat and just be like, hey, I can't score the, the, the like the twelve million. Yeah. Just being honest, I can't do it. It's, it's, it's like as much as I love to do what you do, I can't. Right. So um, like that's the market. You have enough, oh, that's the marketplace. You, you want that reward. Fashion. It's like you got to be honest with yourself. Like you literally got to put down what you want. Like Big Papa Brian said it best one time. It was like the funniest thing like in the community. He was like, people are saying that they want factions, but then like they're not willing to tell you what the feud score is or, you know, then they get into the faction. They're like, oh, this ain't what I wanted. It's like he straight up got to the point. He was like, just be honest and straightforward about what you want so you can find the faction that is right for you. And I think a lot of players try to be something, try to be something that they aren't. And that gets them caught in some weird situations. There's, there's factions out there. I'm a big anime fan. I'm a big manga fan, Japanese culture. There's a, there's a manga called one piece about pirates and most of the pirates are similar. Pirate crews are similar to the sense of, execution or king slayers or you know um the like uh, like it's just or slam pigs it's literally these like they're giant groups they're like armadas mm-hmm. they're like freaking armadas it's like hundreds and hundreds of people right mm-hmm. and everyone's they're they're just dangerous you got you got you have a secret weapon in each faction you just got top big dog people but then there's a good and like i could say like okay you're similar to you know like like a like the Blackbeard Pirates in this sense. You got a, a giant fleet. You just got a big crew. And then you got a guy that you got another group, uh, a group of pirates called the Red Haired Pirates, right? By this dude named Shanks. Shanks is a dude who only has one arm. He only has one ship. And he has that on that ship is all his teammates. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But at the same time, even though he doesn't have the big fleets like Blackbeard does, everybody knows you don't mess with Shanks. So with Crown Dare, it's kind of like, well, if I'm not going to have a giant armada of like 800 players, I'm going to at least be rocking with a solid hundred that are going to be a problem. Uh, and what I mean mm-hmm. that is, it's this, it's like, it's cool for you, like, I love what what Canation does. I love what the top factions do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against it. I love how y'all feud and get those numbers up. Like I said, I enjoy the drama and the chaos. But how much of that is worth your life? How much how long are you willing to go that long to maintain that when in reality you know you don't need it? Experience, right? Like I went from two men. And it was a lot of work to run it. I mean, it's totally relate to a lot of what you talked about as far as running a faction. Um, at the same time, I, I knew I've always been, you know, a competitive person at heart. Um, I didn't think I had it in me to go the distance with it, right? 
but I wanted something <laughs> a little bit, you know, competitive, um, just to put my roster to the test mostly, and just you know to have to have some good matchups and whatnot. And right. you know, when I when I joined Execution, I pretty much assumed you know with go to one of the you know maybe like Rises or Era at, at the best, and uh, you know put in whatever time I can and that sort of thing. Then when I got there, right, and I got a taste for what the competition was like, that's when I realized it was, it was I loved it. I loved it, yeah. you know? And, it, and I, look, I'm a super busy person, right? Um, right? I got two companies I'm working on. Like, there's a lot going on in my life, right? And I don't have the time to uh, feud that heavily or so I thought. But if I can plan it in advance and I can let my it's fiance beautiful. know and I can, you know, uh, that sort of thing, I'm finding a way to make it work. Now, how long can I sustain that? I don't know, but it's the self-awareness like you talked about that you have to know how to put yourself in the right situation. So now, you know, I'm sitting in execution, the top faction and uh, a place that I never thought I'd be. But at the same time, you know, once you get a taste of those rewards, you're like, Oh wow. You know, a number one prize is a three star silver. That's amazing. The next time you're like, Oh, right. I want that again. Oh, you want it again. You got to put in the hours, man. Like there's, you, you don't get that for free. So I don't take anything for granted, you know, but the truth is at some point I'm going to have to step away a little bit. Right. And I got to be okay with that. And that's the thing, like you, for anybody at whatever level you're expect. And I think Gerson talked about it in his episode a few months back. Like if you want a certain roster, or if you want a certain feud result or that sort of thing, you have to have realistic expectations of what, you're right. willing to put into it both time and other resources uh, and um, and be able to, you know, accept if it doesn't fully go your way at times, but it's that, you know, it, but I think it's, it's, it's also just a sign of the times in many ways where just, I feel like a lot of people want a certain reward, but aren't necessarily understanding or willing to put in the grind that goes into getting there. I agree. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's self-awareness, man. Like it, it's the most important thing that we all can have is developing that self-awareness. Is your faction at like 50% capacity now? We are literally two off from, uh, from 50, man. We are at 48 members. We just reached tier 41. So that's always a plus. That's always mm -hmm. a plus. But, um, man, it's one of those things. Like it depends on how, how things go. I learned one thing, like, um, Vengeful, I know you're a fan of Tim Ferriss. I salute you for it, man. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> salute you. Um, because um, literally with, through him and everything, I've learned, like, you know, the whole thing, like the 80-20 rule. You know, like you do 80% right. in like 20% of the time, right? So what I've done is I've, I, I've, I'm all over the place when it comes to references, man. Ramsey Bolton said it best for my situation. All I need is 20 good men. I love that. <laughs> I love that. See, and um, it's one of those things where I look at, like, realistically, like, um, okay, there might be 100 of us one day, cool. But there's going to be that core that I know I can go to in the feud that I know we're all going to go in. Like, I know everybody else, it's like I'm to that point where there's people in my squad now that I know, like, we challenge ourselves to best each other with our feud scores. So with that strength alone, that type of camaraderie and challenge, we, we like to challenge each other. We love doing challenges. It's like 
I know that we can get there. But what what I meant to say earlier is um, I want to be one of those guys like, you know, whenever Undertaker showed up, you knew something was going to go down. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's like to That'd know be- you could do something uh-huh. without having, like, you know, you, you know, to, for it to happen natural, for it to, the, for you to reach, a, reach something and it to be like natural. And like you said, like you plan for it, you, you got that self-awareness to go into it and to get that type of result. It's like one of the most beautiful things compared to, you know, like, you know, this is like the discipline that you've gotten, you know, yeah. like you, you, there's so many people that are like the big cheeses that I look up to. Like, I don't know who they are. I just see their rosters and like that roster envy I've gotten over it, but these are the guys and girls that I look to. And I'm like, I want to get there one day for my team. Like I want to get to that 500 K for my team. I want to, I want to be able to contribute the way these guys and, uh, and girls are doing for theirs. I want to do that for mine. You know, it's really impressive though. Like, you know, when you talk about feuding for your teammates, um, I think pretty much everybody that we've interviewed always talks about, you know, you, we play the game for the people that we play with. The relationships are just what keeps us going in the game. And, um, and I especially have to tip my cap to all the, all the grim people that we've interviewed. I feel like every single one of them is like, you know, I feud for my teammates, feud for my teammates. You know, it's like, but that's really what it is. Like you see somebody putting in the work next to you. You're like, I don't want to let them down. You know, and it's, it's true. Uh, you know, we've never met a lot of them in real life. Most of them. Right. But, but it's, have uh, that loyalty. it's that beautiful. Loyalty is incredible. It's a, it's a great thing. And there, I think there's a lot we can learn from that and apply to, you know, our day-to-day lives too. So how do Montflung events affect the morale in like a small faction that is starting to grow? Like, how do you keep your troops motivated? Um, honestly, when it comes to the Montflung events, it's, it's definitely the mentality. You want to make sure that morale is um, basically boosted by, you know, motivating people, you, like encouraging them to go after that new superstar, mm-hmm. um, making them push past their limits literally this is a game that makes you you know impatient but you have to learn to be humble and patient and so by having month-long events you got a lot of people especially people who are just, who are new they're coming in and they're like oh i can't do it because i'm too some of my roster's too small or whatever but then you know you get in a, get a situation like SummerSlam where you get the key events and everything mm-hmm. you're able to actually get a ch- opportunity to actually do more And then you're able to like by actually trying instead of saying I can't by actually going ahead and putting forth the effort, you end up getting those milestones. You end up realizing, hey, like, you know, I might not walk away with the new superstar, but hey, I got a lot of resources. I got a lot of got a lot of stuff. And you know what? Maybe if I prepare better the next time, I'll be able to get more and big and so on and so forth. So you always basically want to motivate the person to be looking at it like win or lose if you can do it go for it try it because don't have regrets because mm-hmm. you, the last thing you want is that like you know you could have had sting and you but you didn't because you felt that you had like you didn't have a chance it's like everyone's getting an opportunity there's plenty of opportunities out with the vip with hell modes now yeah. there's plenty of uh, is to get the resources free to play or pay to play for you to actually strive forward and actually improve and actually have a chance to contend with those top factions and get those type of rewards. So do you encourage your members to attack every 
um, event, like TP event, coin event, or do you tell them to only do them if they can max them? That's exactly what I do, the latter. Um, I mm. literally say, if you do not have the resources, do not do it to yourself. Now, if there's certain situations, like I believe there was a coin, the, the coin event, where you had like, you know, the, the one-star tokens, like the difficult tokens to acquire, I was like, if you can get those, then definitely like go for that milestone and then be done because that is like a total, like, you know, the, you know, like the boss signs and everything, the landmass, the list, those are hard to come by. Yeah. So if you do have coins, you know, go ahead and hit that milestone. But after that quit, but literally it's one of those things like pregame. Now that we know that month long events are literally a thing in champions, it is a, a very strong high recommendation to just farm your butt off, whether you got Kalisto, whether you have Striker Goldust or NXT Ambrose IRS or Million Dollar Man now, obviously Enzo, you literally want to farm your butt off like every single day, do what you can, get all those resources to build up your main people. And then that way, when these events come around again, you can at least do like a further stint and that way you get you're already stockpiling resources so when another event comes you'll actually be able to get even further in those milestones like i mentioned earlier you know you were the first person i heard that mentioned farming with striker gold us can you tell the listeners how that setup looks like because i did not even know that this was a thing and this is what i love so much about the community there are people who think not only laterally and, and vertically but diagonally so can you put us through that uh, process Okay, like I don't know the the moves off the bat, but literally all you're going to do is run his finisher, which is going to destroy his um power gems, and you're going to run the two greens. It's literally like uh, if you had steel, if you had steel or Devon or Triple H um a striker on him, it basically literally runs perfect. You choose your power gems, and basically you would make your power gems obviously the loot boxes. You hit the finisher, and it's going to destroy those loot. And what got me was is literally it put me in a position where for a moment, like I was running Enzo for so long, and I was running Kalisto that I started thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm, I started looking at Goldust because I'm a fan of Goldust. Mm -hmm. I really like the character. So like I wanted to take him both versions of him the three star. So I'm going to take tech um the tech Goldie to um three star gold for defensive purposes for um champions and then like for like striker I started looking at him and I realized like wait a minute like I ran him at two star and I'm like he's a farmer he's the huh. striker farmer wow. and so when I got when I realized when I got him the two star gold and I saw what his uh, what his move was I was like. This actually runs all together absolutely perfect. So like every like each move basically feeds into each other. So you're able to, to basically get in and out with the damage because with strikers being glass cannons. So he's one of those dudes like he's a low tier farmer. He's like an NXT Ambrose. And then mm, like he's basically yeah. he's like a starter farmer. He was like like if you didn't know who Kalisto was and you had gold dust, it'd be like, you know, you should farm with gold dust for a little bit. But if you get like, uh, if you obviously get a higher tier of Kalisto or Enzo or Million Dollar Man, then you're better off like going that option too. Yeah, I find, um, speaking of farming, an alternate setup I use, I know people use Enzo and Big Cass, but I use Big Cass and Enzo because, you know, if you got Brea Wyatt turn two, he hits his blast gems, um, turn three, the latest, it's a pin. 
And obviously, when his life gets low, you um, re-up with Enzo. So in terms of farming with Enzo, it's going to be like a long, drawn-out match. Let's say turn 5, turn 6, sometimes depending on the rarity of tokens and TP I'm going for. But with Cass, oh, yeah. it really saves time. And then, um, you know, when you got to heal with Enzo, even though that may take some time, like, you know, you got to make sure you match your black gems for Cass and then fill up on Enzo's heal and then tag. At the end of the day, you still save a bit more time if you farm a cast. Oh, without, without a doubt. I honestly feel personally looking at how like cast for a moment, like cast was like a God tier champion, like in, in, in the three star range. And honestly, he still remains that. But um, looking at how the situation is, I honestly think cast was meant to be the powerhouse farmer because just because mm. if you look at how Enzo works and then you look at how Cass works even with their tag team if you have Enzo in first to put all those like heal gems down right mm -hmm. and then you run Cass move that turns the heal gems into blast gems right right up. so literally I feel them as a tandem they came out as a farming tandem wow and, like they're literally yeah. like the modern like, they're like the modern era like farming tandem whereas like new gen um irs and md um mdm were the legend in the new gen you blowing my mind right now dude <laughs> yeah but legit like hands down i feel like next after this the next question though um like i feel mdm if you have million dollar man irs kalisto um Enzo, if you have freaking NXT Ambrose, um, Striker Gold Dust, you or Cass, legit, you like those are like basically the main farmers in the in the game. And like even like Gearson said so himself, like I clear so much content so fast with Cass because he blows up the board so much. Mm -hmm. And now that I got Rusev, uh, Rusev two three star silver, now it's like it's it's clockwork. Now the damage isn't always consistent, but ultimately he's able to clear like normal and hard mode, like like a cakewalk. Easy, like, it's usually yeah. no for him, definitely. With this SummerSlam event, you know Sting is is the um, leaderboard prize as well as a mystery loot box character. Do you encourage your guys to shoot for the actual real leaderboard prize or just, you know, the little sub events and if they so happen to win the leaderboard prize, then that's awesome? All all honesty, man, like some guys like I feel like the in my in my clique, they're like ninjas, man. They move in silence. Like they might not talk about it. They might not talk about the event. And next thing you know, you look on the leaderboard and there they are. Wow. So it's mm -hmm. like some guys so that that's like the beauty of it like i like i did the two videos about my um two of my guys g9 and 44 getting um four star bronzes like those were the only two dudes who like out of the event like everybody was pushing you saw like with, with the crowbar and everything like trying to get vince trying to get honky tonk and when that ultimate loop that came out for that dynamic nine they were able to get them they were they had already enhanced everybody else to three star bronze already had them situated and then they were able to get the final guys and get into that feud so it was like when you got an opportunity like that it's like man me being as a leader it's like man i, sh I wish i had the freaking had the dog on like i had a four star but at <laughs> the same time i'm not going to i'm not going to hinder a player who has an opportunity to get like get that step up where you know like they're going to need it so when it came to that down to that situation, it's like, look, man, you're right there. You might as well go all in, do do what you got to do. Go get with a faction that that has the has the right people, so you can get those points and get that four star. And it's the same thing with the with the um, leaderboard. Like if you're that high up, 
you might as well maintain it or at least try to maintain it then because you're right there, you know? So right. it's, it was like the same what case. I can't remember who said it in a previous podcast. It's like you get so high up in the leaderboard and then you realize like, oh, snap, well, you're already there. You might as well finish out strong and like and stay there instead of giving it up. So it's the same thing. Like if you make it, don't second guess yourself. Like you got yourself there. Like you're a part of crown era, but your work, what you did got you to this position. Do not, do not tell, like, do not take this for granted because you never know how other events are going to go. Right. 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 And do you have any speculations to who's going to be in the mystery crate? Mm. You think they would put a female wrestler in there? All honesty, yes, I would. I honestly think with now with the uh, with the actual like logo for champions now featuring Oscar and Alexa Bliss, it, like legit, and with the the hit at Evolution, I do have a feeling that there will be the first female champion introduced through that mystery role. Hmm. Might even I, be an Evolution a- tour. I think that's what I'm thinking. And I want to say this to everybody now, new players, intermediate, any, any time, like by the time this is out, listen to this, the SummerSlam loot is going to be by far the best loot. That's probably going to be out for a while. I usually do to pull or not to pull. And I do, and I will be coming out with more content on that. But truth be told, looking at the, the rates, when you look at that loot, when you look at the common drops, you got next big thing, Lesnar, you got a freaking phenom, you got dead man, you got perfect, you got all the God tier guys in there right now at common drop rate, meaning you can get them at any type of situation. After this situ- after this um, event, after Road to Summer uh, SummerSlam is over, and with the hint at women coming, there is more than likely going to be a chance that there's going to be a, a month-long event for women. So the Mystery Vault possibly will be a woman. Now, my thing, my theory is this. Because her token is already in the game, the best situation for the Mystery Vault... Ah. Would have to be Sasha Banks, and more than likely, she would. You will have to use her to get through the Evolution tour. But by the time that comes up, if this this is all theory, if that's how it rolls out from SummerSlam, and then you have the Evolution tour, and then you have Survivor Series, you're going to have a month long thing where we could possibly have a month long women's event. We could possibly see Ronda Rousey be uh, coming out at three star gold. We could see Oscar, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair, Nia. Jacks because reality wise those are like the top tier people like those are the top tier women and I know with the evolution pay-per-view now being dropped now I think champions is going to tr- do their best to match that mm. do you think they're going to give um, the women jewel trainer abilities like this new surface thing I think that would be beautiful and also uh, the idea I thought about prior is um with four with four stars coming out I think there is another way that they could be combated without you stressing too much and that would be the introduction of actual hybrid champions not hybrid trainers like Sting but actual hybrid champions like champions who literally cover two type of situations. Like if you came out with a Jeff Hardy, the charismatic enigma, and he was a showboat and an acrobat, it would make sense. You mean like showboat health and acrobat what? Like, 
like like showboat health and like acrobat like move like a quickness to get their move set oh. or like have or having a powerhouse striker combination like class cannon damage but you know it's a slow build but if you get the right situation going maybe you could like you know it's going to be unstoppable but just because you have like the highest damage and then you have the highest gem damage like mm. as a coach so it's like you think about if they've redone like next big thing brock lesnar like that it'd be game over definitely yeah yeah i think they may also have to introduce more uh defensive builds with the um, um with the mention of yeah. invasion going on and stuff invasion the, the 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 rewards in invasion look very worth it if you get the legendary league you know all those coins um 250k in um headliner chips uh you know you got all those um all those tp bags like i think it's 25 like 50 tp bags that's that's solid and yeah. a lot of, and a lot of tokens as well like that's something to strive for but like they said um and like gears has said you know it's going to be limited so you're going to have a lot of people in the bottom three tiers you know going from probably more unlikely like ranking like bronze silver and gold and then you'll only have like a limited few like being in the actual legendary league similar to kind of like with versus I wonder how that's um, invasion is going to play out though, because it says it's going to be like multiple times throughout the week, like two or three in a week, something like that. I I believe it's going to be a, a running beta. I believe that they have it done, but they're going to like run it like a live beta for us to try it out for a month. That's why we're going to get it for a month. So we like it's going to be tedious for us, but ultimately, like if everything works out and they get it figured out, more than likely it'll become a staple in champions. That's what I'm hoping for. And plus with perks, that would be a good way to reintroduce perks as well. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Definitely going to be perks for, for faction invasion. And um, I want to say this to the to the um to people who make the tier list, if you're listening, any of you if you're listening, could you possibly consider making a defensive tier list? That's a smart because yeah. I missed this prior in a video of mine and it's like, it's all good. I just put this stuff out just as thoughts because I feel like it would help the community. You have everyone so focused on two turning people and everything. Like, let's face it. This is how you got the meta situated right now. You got your three stars. The three star meta is going to be the same. You're going to have run your MP trainers and your gem trainers. Obviously your four star, your four stars is obviously now either going to be the hybrid trainers that are coming out that are There's probably going to be more of them like sing um, as well as like, you know, move damage, something similar, or maybe an MP trainer once the third slot opens or depending on what the, the women's trainer abilities are going to be. So inevitably like, you got to figure out new ways of playing the game. It isn't always about two turning people because I'm going to be honest with you. One of the reasons why I'm like where I'm at, where I'm comfortable, where I'm going, I've been offered to like do mergers and everything with other factions is because I personally am a methodical feuder. I'm a slow, I'm a slow burn feuder. Like I take my time. I do have people that can get stuff done, but I like to use people that I'm comfortable with, like people that make me think. So like using defensive champions now is something that's going to be priority. You got guys like Duggan now. You got guys like new face of Kevin, uh, new face of America, Kevin Owens. And the proud thing I'm about, I'm happy about with KO is I legit said when I pulled him, I got a feeling this dude is like a God tier champion. He may not be God tier in the sense of offensive, like, oh, he's going to two turn you, but mm -hmm. he is God. 
a sense of defense. So defense wise, when you think about all those silence gems that get down, like get put down on the board. So you got to like look at start looking at people like this, like reinforced gems, like getting gems back that could that were broken and having a chance to use them again to recycle them. If you can't ha- if you don't have a champion that has a like a recyclable move set, that's going to come in very freaking clutch. Now, protect gems are still going to be priority at like three star rate but obviously like a, like a, it was mentioned in prior like situation with coyote i believe like the protect gems at four star really don't mean nothing now they need like a super buff or something that's going to have to happen right there because giving a uh, giving a showboat a lot of health is a great thing but that was like the one type of gem that also that basically made them known, like help them get that chance to actually beat top tier people. So I think like protect gems are definitely going to have to get like a redesign if they're going to be like to become a mainstay or remain a mainstay in champions, because you got to think there are, maybe there are people out there that do like to play with only defensive champions. You have a lot of solid defensive units now, and so it's only fair to make a the make a tier list. Let's switch the topic here for a second. With the introduction of women and the introduction yeah. of new territories like Japan and Korea, what are your yes. thoughts on the expansion of the game? Do you think it's going to um, have a, a great influx into the community? Do you think it's going to shake up like the top tier leaderboards for feuds or, or, or what? Um, looking at the situation, I can be honest with you. I feel like, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but it was, it sure as hell ended in one. Nothing lasts forever. And so, you know, that's why, like I say, like Crown Air is a casual faction. We're competitive, but we're casual. There's no need to like, if you really stand by your faction and what you believe in, you know, you, ultimately you're going to be here forever or for as long as the game's going to run. So the leaderboard to us is really like, it doesn't matter. But the truth be told with two new, like two new like areas, you know, th- th- that type of expansion and these like new type of situations with faction invasion, as well as feud, four stars and women, um, you're going to see a change of pace because you're now like you got people who made the tier list and now. So now you got people who can go and play this game or even before they even get the game, like they did their research because there's people out there who do that. They research everything. They know what to do. They know who to go after. And then they play this game so meticulously that, you know, even the people who thought they had a plan that was like, you know, you like immaculate, you know, things happen not like spots are meant to be taken when you get to the mm-hmm. top the only place you can go is down and it's like you shouldn't feel mad you shouldn't be pissed off if anything you should be glad like you held that spot for so long be grateful if anything you should be glad that you're getting a break you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, that's what I'm looking at. Like, you commit so much, and I understand the reward. Like, Vengeful said, you know, that competitive side. And, like, I love that, and I want more of that in Crown Air. And it's getting there, like, you know, but it's a homegrown situation. Like, this is nurture, like, and care. We're not rushing people. We're not forcing anybody to, like, you know, spend their paychecks or anything. We're just trying to be be smart help people the way they want to play and guide them the proper way to get there. And I'm fine with sitting back, relaxing, improving my skills while helping the others improve theirs. But ultimately Korean Japanese markets are both very competitive. And I feel 
kind of factions. Like you look at Overwatch, you look at anything like Call of Duty, it, it's serious. So they're going to take this game serious. And, you know, they're huge fans of wrestling. They're definitely huge fans of wrestling, just like we are. So it is not going to be surprising to see these people rolling around with like crews that are hella deep and know what they do and know what, know what to do. They understand and comprehend rotations and everything before they even started doing a feud. And they're just going to be ready because they know what they want. And when someone wants something so bad, they don't care about how many posts you put in the fa Facebook community. They don't care about how many times you say like what you're ranked or what overall is needed. If a person has the people on their chain on their roster and they've got this the, the heart to grind it out and get the job done it does not matter what you do it's going to the results are going to be there whether you like it or not and so for instance and this is something that i i stated like in a past video as well i like i just like referencing it because it's like i feel like it's cool it's a cool callback there is a chance now that someone could do a 55 pull right they could do a 55 pull and they could literally pull all, all those God tier champions in the MP trainer, MP trainers minus Enzo. Yeah. There is a chance that someone could literally do a pull right now and pull macho man. Next big thing. Perfect. Pull dead man. Phenom. He can pull all those people. AJ styles. He or she could pull all those people as well as all those MP trainers and their overall could only be like maybe 45 or 50, uh, 50,000. And this is the crazy thing that gets me. And this is going to be going off a little bit, but this is one thing that made me realize something about people that need to understand something just because someone has a hundred K plus roster does not mean that they are a top feuder. It does not mean that they are going to get the job done for you. There are people out there who have low have below 100k rosters and they feud their butts off and they put up more points than people who got three stars and that is facts so it's a thing of you wanting it it's a thing of you wanting to do it and you putting forth the effort and by you doing that it'll rub off on other people to want to go and do the same so the leaderboard is going to change whether people like it or not it isn't going to be a thing where like oh i say it and then like the next feud everyone at the in the top 10 is going to be like in the at like down in the like the 90s it's nothing like that but what is fact is is that change does happen change is necessary change is good because if you stay at number one for so long how are you ever going to know what to what to perfect and what to do right if you're always there mm. you never know it's really like to truly win until you lose it's it's one thing to be right on top of the mountain it's another thing to be knocked off the mountain to climb back up right right if champions finally got to a point where champions literally said, you know what? I see there's a lot of like factions that say execution. I see a lot of champ like factions that say, you know, like uh, like vicious venom or something or king slayer, slam pigs, um, even a lock. If it was that situation, right? If champions ever got to the point where they realized, you know what? We need to make this fair. It isn't right to have multiple factions that are basically representing the same faction. You need to make one faction. And my question would be, it's like, you know, a, like, you know, I like the movie 300. You know, they did that. Yeah. They did that thing. 
and and th that went hard. So my question would be, and it's not destroy like the poke anybody or like to strike a nerve. It's just reality. If there's if a dude has eight factions, and Scopely straight Eric Scopely so much straight up addressed him and told him, "Look, man, you got eight factions, eight hundred members. Eight of those fat, all eight of those factions are in the top one hundred. There are other factions out here." that are feuding just as hard and they're not getting that opportunity because there's multiples of your faction. So we decided that there needs to be one faction and the other ones are going to be eliminated. They're going to be, we're going in and that, going to disband them. That's interesting. Continue. So, so it's like, and this, and, the, and this ain't a shot. This is just me doing reference because I respect him so much and I, I love the, his podcast and the work that he put in and the, the, the meticulous like attitude and strategy he did. Calvin the Hermit. If Calvin the Hermit was asked to choose 100 members out of 800 members, who would they be? Knowing moving forward that like in this theoretical the, the situation, and the same for any other faction that has that kind of like like Armada, like I mentioned prior. It's like if you had to choose out of the, those eight hundred, that that ninety nine to ride with you, who would it be? And I feel like that's a situation that you know it ends up like too many numbers can cause a little bit of too much calamity when you know that you got one solid home that you can be like this is my home. When you got multiple homes at a certain point, you know, it's hard to maintain. And if you're able to maintain it, like he's a G, he's been doing this for years. So he's never got worried about something like that. But theoretically, you know what I mean? Like people who've absorbed these different factions, you know, and what, what would you, what would you do if Scopely ever did pull a God move like that? If they pulled a Vince McMahon like that? I think for me, it would all boil down to which players have the best chemistry together because just because you have a, a roster with you know hard hitting um characters or people who have like stack um rosters it does not necessarily mean you're going to win you need to have people exactly. who know how to communicate who have synergy you know hive mentality yes and that's what's and, and you know what that's why i applaud these factions that that are up there too because like you know you've been in the grind for so long with next to the these people for so long you know that you have these type of bonds and that's what's beautiful about champions man and like same thing like goes for me like i've got people who've been with me for since day one and i've seen these people go from scoring you know 500k to scoring a million and it's like the one of the most beautiful things. like we know each other got like we know we have each other's back we know that like if someone isn't able to respond but you're like hey man can you cover this lane that lane's going to be taken care of Right, right. But it's like, you know, ultimately, you know, like that, the, the whole numbers thing, like in the end, I, I always felt like, you know, it's a cool thing. It's great because it does in the end help a lot of players get rewards. It does help a lot of players get forward with their progress. But I also feel that it does also hinder the community in the sense. So I don't know how this is going to play out. Like I want to, I'm intrigued with how like faction invasions going to be like, how's that going to link up? Like, are you going to immediately be linked up with people similar to your name or like, you know, how's that going to go? Like, I'm intrigued to see like how certain things go with like now with the women's situation. Like, I think personally faction invasion is going to be 
like a seasonal thing, like, like football. And I feel that faction feud is going to be yearly and it's going to come to a point like which one's more important to you, because ultimately that's going to be a lot trying to maintain both when they're both up and running. Yeah. So like, are you going to like, I think that's going to be the beauty of it because now you're going to figure out another way to utilize your, 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 your teammates. It's like, okay, like, this guy can't feud like doesn't feud like this, but you know he's got the champions we need for these nodes and faction invasion. So people like will start having mo- like multiple roles, and I think that's going to be another thing that's going to show like the like the loyalty thing. Like it's one thing to score like millions and millions in feud; it's another thing to make sure that you lock down a whole bunch of nodes and take over like entire cities and paths and faction invasion. Right. Do you think, um, to touch on your earlier topic about, uh, like, if Scopely had asked them to, like, consolidate their factions, uh, because, you know, there are other factions that are trying and can't reach the top spot because there's so many in the family. Do you think if they extended the leaderboard reward somewhere, that would make it a bit fair, or would it be still more of the same? I look at it like this. This is what I personally feel. Um, if the, the like once again, and I'm going to make this shoot this straight because it ain't a shot at anybody. I don't got I got nothing but love for Calvin. I just used him as a, as an example. I feel if anything, just expand the faction so that way you can have more members. So uh, that way you can you can have bigger like bigger groups. And on top, this is what I say: champions do. Scopely, you make the factions give them an overall of a thousand members. I know it's crazy. But when you look at how many families there are, we know that we know this. It ain't crazy because you know that even though everyone's going to be in there, you know, everyone's going to be using either Discord or Messenger or Line or something. So yeah. it isn't like you're flirted. So like it's going to be open for just like, you know, people being requested in or getting heals. So that would be a situation. I would also suggest with that type of take, you also have a scenario where we get a gifting system where you can like send tokens and TP and stuff to you, like your members. Like obviously there have to be a minimum set for like each day or like a certain time, but I feel that would also help out. But with the leaderboard, I feel that honestly, anyone who participates should get a superstar. Uh, If you, mm -hmm. because it's, it's a hit and a miss, but hear me out. If you got everybody basically getting like three star silver, three star bronze, just extend it. Just extend it. So like, okay, like the top 20 or top 30, they all get three star, like they get a three star bronze. And then like, you know, you move further down, they get a two star gold and then a two star silver and a two star bronze. And then all the way down to a one star bronze. I think people would be more content, be fine with like, you know, okay, I didn't get the leaderboard, but at least I got a new champion or, oh, at least I got some dupes out of it or something like it gets to a point where now with four stars and everything, you know that there's going to be people getting slaughtered. So you got to come up with an idea that's going to be fair and reasonable somewhere. So like legit, like extending the leaderboard and like including like super, a superstar for everybody, like to like a certain cutoff point, like. I don't know, like the top 300 or something like that, or something, something that'll make you strive for it just because you know, there's so many factions out there and then just cut it off from that. Like from the buy, like from 300, you go from your one star bronze and then all the way up to the number one, that's where your three star silver's at. 
Yeah, I would say with the current ecosystem in the game, like if we go with your idea of giving everyone a star for the like the top performing factions, um, I guess the reward buff could be like more diamonds, more headliner chips, stuff like that. You know, at that level, right. the resources become really important. Exactly. It's like, look, the top tier factions, they don't like they need the diamonds, you know, so give them the diamonds, give them the headliner chips, give them the three star champion, yeah. give them the TP, give them the coins and give them like, you know, give them nothing but epic tokens, you know, like set it like that and then just start moving down the tiers like that. So that way everyone's still compensated. Right. Because the top tier, the top tier factions shouldn't have to suffer for the other factions. Because they're there for a reason. But at the same time, people shouldn't be busting their butts and trying their hardest and then get nothing from it. I agree. Yeah. Well, we're going to um, wrap this up. And before we go, well, I already know what class I believe you are. But if you had to choose a class for yourself, striker, showboat, trickster, technician, powerhouse, acrobat, what do you think you would be? Shoot, man. Honestly, I'd have to say, uh, personally, I'd have to say a showboat, man. I agree, one hundred percent. I'd have doubt. to be a show, just because, just because I, the energy and I want to motivate. I, I, it can go either way, you know. You can, you can hate that you love me, love that you love to love to hate me. It, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm just me, and I just want what's best for everybody. And sometimes, you know, that's why I become the bad guy because. Legit, I take that term for the sense because I try so hard to do right that sometimes I end up coming across as the dude that's wrong. And it's it's it, and it's just like, look, man, like I'm just trying to be, like put get everyone on the same page and move us forward. I'm trying to keep like I gave you my word. I'm trying to keep my word. And sometimes, you know, people don't have the patience for that. They don't have the time for that. Or, you know, they got other plans and they got other situations. And ultimately, you know, there's only one person left to blame. Like if they leave your faction, there's only one person to point at. Ultimately, you know, it's like. Yeah. So that's why I call myself the bad guy. It's like, I mean, well, but sometimes you uh, like, it just rubs people the wrong way. And I guess it's like, because I'm not like the confrontational type like that, it kind of makes it even weirder. So it's kind of like, I am who I am. <laughs> if, if I had to, to choose, I would say you would be the first hybrid class. I would put you as a showboat, a technician and a striker showboat obviously personality technician the way how you meticulously um grind and run your factions whether it was a lot kingdom or crowned arrow like you have a plan in mind a long-term plan and a striker because when you talk in your videos you don't pull any punches you just go straight to the point so i would put you as the first hybrid thank you man i appreciate that that's mad love that's mad love man yeah, man. And for the people that want to reach you on on Twitter or YouTube, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, hit me up on YouTube, Zeke Four One O Gaming, and on Twitter, it's at Zeke Four One O Gaming. So it's easy to find me. Legit, and make sure to subscribe. Make sure to please, please hit a people's elbow on that subscribe button and <laughs> also or to drop a razor's edge on that bell icon for future notifications on wwe champions yeah man this has been the dvo podcast with the most entertaining and electrifying zeke 410 champions gaming hope you guys enjoyed the podcast i enjoyed my time with him have a good one peace
This is the DVO Podcast. The DVO Podcast is based around the players and culture of the mobile game WWE Champions. If you are interested in watching the gameplay that accompanies this podcast, please visit www.youtube.com slash DavyDGaming1. That's D-A-V-E-Y-D-G-A-M-I-N-G, the number one. Also, follow me on Twitter at Davy underscore